welcome to everyone who's coming in. A big welcome to you all. Looking forward to this webinar today. Just before the event officially starts, we're asking you to check out our new DGEN NFT collection, which is available to mint at donkeybonk.com. You can find the website in the comments section uh, below. So big welcome to everyone who's coming in. We know last year was tough for Solana, tough for crypto, uh, but we all got bonked, luckily. And as you may know, Bonk is the first Solana dog coin for the people, by the people, with 50% of the total supply airdropped to the Solana community. The Bonk contributors were tired of toxic tokenomics and wanted to make a fun meme coin where everyone gets a fair shot. So inspired by that, we are happy to announce our new DGN NFT collection, which is now available to mint at donkeybonk.com. As I said, there is a fantastic collection of Donkey Bonk, 9,966 donks ready to be minted. What are you waiting for? Mint a donk now. So let's get started and a big hello to everyone. Welcome to our new webinar. Our webinar today is Web3 in 2023. The revolution of NFTs and play to earn games. And I'm really excited to have you all here today. We're going to be learning, we're going to be sharing stories, getting insights on this fantastic new world of Web3. We've got lots of fantastic panelists today. I'm really excited to get stuck in. But while people are still coming in, a few quick notes. Uh, this webinar will be recorded. You'll be able to watch the post-production on YouTube. You'll be able to listen to it on Spotify through our podcast, The Talking Giraffe, or catch up with the snippets posted on our social media channels. This is a live session, so you do have the opportunity to speak to us, to speak to the panelists. Please just look for the Q&A uh, box, which you, can uh, which you can find down the bottom there. Please uh, put in your, your questions and we will put them uh, to the panelists in a live format. So let's have a very interactive session today. So I'm Jenny Stanley, I'm founder and managing director of Appetite Creative. We are pioneers in the connected packaging industry and creators of ApeLink, our dedicated platform leading the way in blockchain and Web3 services. Either you need help with uh, NFT collection launch, design, implementation of your website or DeFi project, or you need some help creating the next addictive P2A play to earn game, P2E game, we're able to support you. As we know, uh, the last part of 2022, the first part of 2023 has been fraught with many changes, lots of incidents, lots of interesting changes in the industry. And we wanted to talk about the evolution of NFT and P2E projects as they become increasingly important and increasingly changing. The whole entire gaming and cryptocurrency world um, is changing. So the play to earn the P2E business model is one of the biggest innovations that was introduced to us from the crypto space. And this model turns over the logic of, of gaming. Instead of having players um, having to pay the developers um, to access the game, instead, actually, players are paid to play it. So there are huge amounts of volumes of, of video games and virtual worlds that gamers are playing for crypto tokens or crypto coins as their rewards for playing. Some of these games require an investment in tokens or NFTs and others allow people to earn crypto directly by playing. Some of these most popular play to earn games you might have heard of, Axie Infinity, Sandbox, Gods Unchained. There's also um, many, many others out there. It's one of the safest ways to earn crypto and unique NFT non-fungible tokens. 
The main goal of the session today is to provide validated and professional advice from our experts today who will share their opinions on how the future of Web3 is going to change our way of thinking in 2023, how NFTs and P2E games have revolutionized and are revolutionizing the world of crypto. So we're here to discuss these issues and talk about everything that is happening this year and beyond the evolution and why it's important to know about all of these things that are happening. So I've talked enough. Today we have an exceptional group of worldwide renowned companies and studios, Women in Games, X3, Time Raiders, Bamboo Works, Flantech, Align Studios and Coffee and Crypto. So our session today will be divided into three parts. First, we'll hear from Meredith Hodges, the founder of Bamboo Works, responsible for sustainable marketing and business growth in the blockchain industry. We'll also be joined by Katie Bell, a partner at Align Studios and a gaming strategist. She's helping brands and creators understand, navigate and ideate in Web3. They'll be giving us a general overview about the Web3 space, what it has to offer today and what we can expect from it in the future. After that, we will be discussing with Gabriela Lopez, co-founder of Odyssey Racing Arena, a dragon racing game and an ambassador for women in games. She will be joined with Vanessa Barameda, the general manager of X3 and what is the position of women in the world of Web3 in 2023. Finally, we'll be joined by Matt Nagy, the Chief Economist and the Lead Designer of Time Raiders, and Andrew Salis, a tokenomic expert and the CEO of Coffee and Crypto. So we'll be looking at what is expected to change in 2023 regarding new launches, new projects, and looking whether people should be investing and developing new things in this market at this time. So sit tight, ask questions on the chat and enjoy the show. Remember the event is available on YouTube, Spotify, so you can listen to it as many times as you like and get your questions into the box down there. So enough of me, a big welcome to Meredith and Katie. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi. Hello, always that moment. Are they still there? Have they gone to sleep? So fantastic. We are, we are. <laughs> All good. So I'm going to get stuck straight in because we've got so much to cover today. Um, Meredith, my first question is to you. Um, and as an introductory question, tell us what does Web3 currently have to offer to the public and why should more people be interested, looking at, looking to join and join this space? Sure. Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me along and great to be on the this uh, chat with Katie as well. Um, I'm sure that we can all learn from each other. Um, I am not long into blockchain, about two or three years, so I still feel like a novice. Um, but it's just such a fascinating area. And if we think about what Web3 offers today, it's actually really infantile. Um, but when we imagine where it's going and what we're starting with today um, and that future in 5, 10, 20 years, it's really exciting. So, you know, right now we're seeing that application of Web3 with blockchain-based block, uh, uh, block gaming, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, those individualized economies, players have ownership over, you know, some of the objects that are used within. They've typically got their own um tokens um and you can trade and earn um, skins or tools or whatever that might be um but i think that it's evolving into this sort of concept of game you mentioned play to earn games um you know there's play to earn move to earn browse to earn you know i just have labeled it all 
do turn, you know, you're doing something, but actually some of that activity can be passive and, and therefore, you know, passive income streams uh, with low um, barriers to entry, you know, compared to, you know, potentially other ways to earn, you know, off blockchain or off chain um, in the world. So um, I think where it becomes difficult, though, for the public and in terms of knowing what there is on offer there's a lot of noise out there. There's quality, there's lack of quality, there's trusted, there's untrusted. Um, there's just such a mishmash of those earning opportunities and games to get involved in. So it's really hard to know, like, where do I start if you haven't started and you're not native, you know, to, to this space? Um, so what's really interesting now is, and what I'm sort of quite interested in, now you're getting these sort of aggregators that are saying, like, we're going to curate a list of all of these, you know, do to earn opportunities for you and you can pick and choose which ones suit you. So like Web3 Earner, for example, launched at the end of last year and they've been doubling their user base month on month and, you know, with that curated list. So it is becoming easier to access and know where to find those opportunities of quality because otherwise it can be quite, quite difficult. Um, and there's one other thing that I wanted to, to mention. I come from more of a B2B world, although I do have some B2B, uh, B2C background. Um, what I think is really interesting here, we're talking about individuals and earning opportunities and playing games. Um, I think there is a tremendous opportunity to transfer those concepts into a B2B world. For example, if you can bring gamification into you know how you might make business decisions um scenario testing and modeling and you know what actions am i taking what am i doing in my business right now and what impact is that going to have and that can't be erased um once you're actually you know in the process in the game it's it's, it's continuous and ongoing and i think that's a really interesting you know place to start thinking um you know my yeah, I follow Future Quest. I don't know if everyone, anyone else knows it, um, but, you know, they're trying to do that on an individual basis. I think the power, what to offer and what's to come is the business adoption of some of these concepts. Um, and I'd love to see more of that in 2023. What, what do you think stopping people get involved in the space? What, what's, what's the challenge there? What's the big challenge there? Um, I think the main one is trust. Um, but with trust comes... You have to have knowledge to build trust in something. So I think there's still a ways to go where, um, you know, creators, builders, um, and, you know, those putting out these opportunities and, the, you know, these blockchain-enabled, you know, applications also have a responsibility, I suppose, um, to educate. But with that responsibility, that then comes knowledge, that comes usage, people will start trying things. Um, and, you know, the other thing is with that is encouraging people just to try, you know, just, just immerse yourself a little bit, like give it a go, like, you know, from a cost point of view, the entry points can be quite low, which means it's, you know, these things are more available to a much broader demographic. Um, find your tribe, find your thing and just give it a little go. And I think that's what I'm encouraging a lot of people to do because, you know, I come from the traditional finance space 
Um, and, you know, a lot of, uh, and I'm probably a little more senior compared to some of the people at school, but, you know, um, you know, friends, family, I'm like, just, you know, just have a little dabble, maybe, you know, just buy, buy a little bit of Bitcoin or something and just start to, you know, <laughs> just start to, um, to, to immerse. Um, so I think that it's getting over that trust barrier. We as a community have that responsibility to therefore educate um, and then encourage, you know, a little trying here and there. Um, and so then we'll start to see more mainstream adoption and understanding. Katie, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of uh, good little dipping your toe in, I think Meredith is trying to encourage people to do. Um, you know, what's, what's your opinion um, there? How, how, what's the next step? Uh, to get more into into this in 2023 yeah i have to agree with meredith on most of what she says um so for me like everything it's about education um but that takes time and people have got busy lives to contend with at the moment plus coupled with the fact we're probably dealing with pressures that we've not had to endure before so there needs to be a strong motivator behind it in order to get people into it so something fun um i think if you've seen lenza and what they've been doing um, for anybody who's not used it yet, uh, it's an app with a huge selection of uh, packaged AI filters. So you can just take a picture of your friends um, and you'll see they come reimagined as like a superhero or anime character or possibly a fairy. Um, but the tech is free and Lenser have just pulled in the API from Stable Diffusion. Um, but what they've done is they've simplified and make that whole experience fun. Um, it's enjoyable. And then what they've done is also provide that instant gratification where you can take something, change it, and then you can put it out through social and then other people are moving and sharing it. Um, I don't know how many of you may have been, uh, you know, down the mid journey uh, hole, for example, but it's pretty amazing. But it's taken me a long time to get my head around, um, you know, prompt engineering and how that works as a specific way that you need to talk to AI in order to get the right results. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys have had what, 5 million downloads. So there's a lot of cash motivation, uh, I think, behind these ideas. So the quicker you can get yourself educated and learning what the possibilities are, I think that will help with um, a big driver for adoption. Yeah, absolutely. And also just more people seeing, more people do it, I think brings that confidence that Meredith's talking about as well. Um, mm -hmm. What about social media platforms? Um, are they, how, how big are they in, in uh, Web3? Um, I guess, it, you know, talking about which would be the sort of the best platforms to use in 2023, um, that's going to vary depending on individual preferences and needs and, and what, what you're trying to do. Um, but for now, I reckon it's all going to be the usual suspects, the Facebooks, Instagrams, Twitters, YouTubes, etc. Um, although I've got a feeling they shouldn't get too comfortable as I'm sure there's going to be something new up to challenge them pretty soon. People are becoming increasingly interested in decentralized applications, protocols, um, and a lot of the giants aren't set up that way. Um, so I think the market's ready to be challenged. Yeah, and of course, Discord is 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 hugely moving forward here. Um, it is, but it's 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 not. I wouldn't say it's, and maybe that's just me, but it doesn't feel naturally intuitive. The UX and the UI around it, I don't feel, are simplistic enough for you know the average public person to be able to mm -hmm. get into it. And that's the bit that I'm. You know, we we all know what we're talking about. We're all in this space. The people that I'm looking at is like you know, your mums, your dads, your people who aren't necessarily working in tech, because that's where we're going to get real change happening. Is when they start to adopt. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, on that Discord note, um, <laughs> you know, I find it very unwieldy and, you know, I, I, I'm i getting used to it, but I, I feel like, you know, each community within there um, you go into, it sort of all operates slightly differently and it's just, mm. yeah, I do find it quite overwhelming and I just want to be able to digest. And I think, you know, going back to the education point, it's like, well, yeah, we don't have a lot of time to um, take in that education or self-guide or self-pace and self-select education, but also to produce the content to educate is a very time-consuming process yeah. as well. But mm. with that, um, you know, I think, you know, just like uh, Web3 is, like small, often, you know, repetitive type you know, education content is probably you know a good place to start so we can make it a bit more accessible so like the platforms like discord and other places where people hang out you know it would be great that they can become you know the facilitator or the delivery point for for some of that type of thing um yeah so that's i just wanted to add that um the only other thing with social media um is I suppose um, if you look at the whole community, like reputation and trust we talked about, um, but there's a lot of sensational headlines out there, like all crypto is bad, um, you know, it's used for illicit activity, you're going to get hacked, uh, scammed, um, you know, obviously there's been quite a number of very spectacular blowouts <laughs> of different kinds and different organizations, yep. which I won't mention the names. We all probably know them, but, um, you know, that's not helping anything. Right. So, you know, I do also feel like that trust part is trying to change the narrative. Like I'm a marketer and communicator. It's trying to change that narrative in like the general media of sort of bringing to light the good use cases, you know, the solid, uh, organizations, um, those, you know, apps or games that are doing some social good, environmental good, uh, are well governed. Um, and, you know, I think as an, as an industry, we have um, a big job to do to really change that narrative to get more balance into, you know, the usefulness of, you know, the technology and how it can be applied just to solve like really interesting and real world problems. So, you know, I put that challenge to everyone here to, <laughs> you know, start changing the narrative outside of your immediate community. And to Katie's point, that needs to get out into you know, the general public even more, because otherwise we'll just always be swallowed up by the, you know, all crypto bad headlines. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We've got a question actually from, from the audience saying, um many sorry talking to to non-crypto users many are willing to give it a try yet it does mm -hmm. seem like rocket science as there's so many new t uh, terms appearing can we do mm -hmm. something about that love to <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> education and communication and changing the narrative is just to actually simplify or or unify is probably standardize the the language um you know, technology, whether it's Web3 or one or two or anything, you know, it's it's well known for its uh, confusing um, synonyms, you know, five different ways to say the same thing. So, so again, maybe we set ourselves, um, ourselves a challenge with that as well. Yeah, I've got um, I've got a, a two groups of, of women that I help to educate around crypto. And one of the first things that we do is um, 
because trying to take things um, off the internet. So obviously what we've seen with uh, the large crypto failures, but um, having your crypto in your pocket. So I normally get them to purchase a ledger and then we get online together as a group and get them just to sort of transfer money into their bank over into one of the exchanges, buy a little bit of Bitcoin um, and then put it back on their ledger. And just even doing things like that, I think once you've kind of been through it and you understand how the process works, it instantly becomes, um, you know, less daunting, basically. So it's back to your point, Meredith, earlier about, you know, you just actually need to give it a go. And it, it always is a bit daunting. I remember transferring my first bits of money and my bigger bits of money. And like, has it got across and is it going to come back again? Um, but yeah, so you, you just need to actually do it. And that's that's it. You just need to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had, um, I, I use a centralized exchange, but um, um, I had an experience once where I bought, you know, bambooworks.eth, you know, like the domain server name, um, haven't done anything with it yet, but it was this moment where it's like, okay, money's gone from there, and but it hasn't gone over there, and nothing, I, I haven't got ownership of this thing yet, and this, there was this no man's land of nothingness, and I'm like, have I just really screwed this up? <laughs> um, and so we all like have moments like that when we're trying anything new. Um, you know, when we all got smartphones, well, I'm of a generation <laughs> where I remember vividly getting my first smartphone. Um, it was just, you know, it's like relearning a whole, you know, new thing, a new new language. Um, so, so yeah, and I think that's what what you're doing, Katie, is is fantastic with with some of those groups. Um, yeah, we, we could probably do all do a bit more of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Darren makes a, a great point actually, uh, and I think Katie, you'll probably uh, a, a agree with this. Darren's in the audience, and uh, he's saying I would highly recommend using MetaMask or Trust Wallets where you own your keys. Yeah. If it's yes. not your key, yeah. it's your crypto. Hundred um, percent. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I knew I knew you'd be agreeing with that. Um, yeah. Right. So, um, I just wanted to um ask Meredith really just for for a little bit again of if this is general context, Web two versus Web three. Um, what's the difference um there in terms of marketing? Well, so if you think about like just a really quick one, like you know, Web one is about reading information and like you're getting information served to you from somewhere. Um, Web2 then started to have the creation part added. So um, self-generated um, content, and that's where the social platforms have become quite prolific um, as, you know, the content created on those, Facebook, you know, YouTube, whatever it might be, um, you know, has just you know, obviously gone bonkers um so that's about creating but it still can be created from a centralized place like a business or a person and it's you know it's really pushed out still um web three is you add on the ownership part so if you're able to own a piece of you know a game a community an asset whatever it might be um the marketing therefore becomes the community in itself in a way. So, and that's where that reputation trust um, and sort of usability of, of um, you know, the, the, the applications or the games is really important. And Katie, you mentioned before fun. I actually had that in my notes um, to say that, you know, like to engage and, you know, it needs to be fun. So in a way, like marketing you're relying on word of mouth, community, reputation, and how that word spreads. But then you're also 
relying on that community to amplify, you know, and build that brand awareness for you or mm -hmm. for that that particular platform. Um, and so that's where it's it's almost like a reversal of you know traditional marketing in a way where it's like you're pushing out it's almost like you're wanting to pull people together and then they do yep. that sort of marketing job for you um but to do that they need to actually like the game be engaged in it <laughs> think it's useful fun you know whatever that is to them because otherwise you just killed your marketing strategy basically yeah 100%. Absolutely. Um, Katie, do you think we'll ever reach billions? Billions of users in the web free space? And, and if so, when? <laughs> um, hold on while I get my crystal ball out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in a, in, in, in a word, yes, I do think we will. Um, so again, I know I'm popping about AI a little bit now, but I've been down various rabbit holes a bit since December. But if we look at the advancements that we've had in generative AI, like ChatGPT, which everybody knows, they adopted, what, a million people in the first five days. Um, so I think the opportunities for fast advancement is literally mind-blowing. Um, I'm excited, but I'm also absolutely terrified. Um, I think the progress is going to be, as I said, astonishing. It's going to change our world in ways that few of us can probably predict. Um, as for when, I wouldn't want to put a date on it, but I think in the next 10 years, there'll be more disruptive uh, movement from technology um, than there has been in, you know, in the previous 10 years. Um, and I was just reading uh, the generative AI startups are already worth over 30 billion, and that's already up 10 billion from last year. So things are moving somewhat, uh, dare I say, uncomfortably fast. Mm. No, uh, you know, technology... I don't mean to down it, but I'm like, it's, it, it, it is a lot to take on. And you, you see the adoption of what we're all still trying to get our heads around and learn all these things and how we can do it. AI is literally coming in and just... Yeah, changing everything swiftly. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the advent of quantum computing as well, which is a whole different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, Meredith. Thank you, Katie. Um, we've thank unfortunately you. run out of time for our session. Um, I know we could have talked. To, we could have gone into into quantum. We could have gone into so many places there. Yeah, um, we, we want to keep everyone awake. So yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much to you both. Thank you. Um, stick around in case there's some questions for you as well. Sure. Thanks for having us. Welcome, Gabriella and Vanessa, to our virtual stage. Welcome to you both. Nice to have you here. And um, I think I'll just kick off really, um, Gabriella, with, with yourself. We talked about um, consumers, people, users in the space. But what about if we get into um, women versus men? So what's attractive for women in the web free space? What have you seen that's, you know, helping women want to get involved? Because traditionally technology um, in a traditional sense is thought of as a, as a man's world. So what about women? I think we have uh, um, a great opportunity right now. It's a brand new industry and uh, it's still uh, very like male predominant, unfortunately, but I think things are changing. And just like it happened with the dot-com era, uh, the adoption by women was always like faster. So I think uh, the mass adoption will come through women. I think we observe new technologies faster um, we are curious, 
and uh, we have like this great sense of community of sharing knowledge, just like uh, Katie and Meredith were talking about. Education is the pathway to go. And I think women, we are very open to that. We are very open to be supporting each other. We are very open to build this community. So I think uh, it's a great moment for us. And uh, we do have like uh, endless possibilities right now. Absolutely. Um, do you think that earning money uh, is the key factor for women to join the space or is there deeper, deeper meaning? Is it more than just earning money? Um, I think money is not definitely not the key. I think women, we are looking for representativity. We are looking, we are looking to validate each other, to open more spaces, not just for us, but for the ones that are coming after us and for the, the our peers too. So I think it's more like a, a collective sense of uh, building, conquering, and uh, being represented better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think in terms of um, practical steps? I mean, I've got a panel here with a lot of women on it, so that's great, but I don't think that's a, a general representation of, of panels. But is there any practical steps that we can take to encourage more women to join this space, to help them get involved in this space? Um, I still insist in the same thing that Meredith and Katie said very well. That's the education. So um, I think opening channels of it, more education, like workshops, like webinars, like you were doing, um, that's like a huge step forward and it happens not just to open more space, but also to get more people involved, to get more people curious about it. And I think that's why it's a great era right now for uh, content creators, because everybody's looking for information. Um, everything is happening so fast. It's crazy. It's overwhelming sometimes. Um, I feel that uh, we are living very like intense days and months. And this last year was extremely intense in a, in a, uh, the how fast um, the technology is passing, how fast we can have access to information everywhere and connect with each other. So everything is like uh, um, very overwhelming, I think. So we need to really uh, pick what's best and uh, observe as much as we can right now. No, I absolutely agree. And there's so many groups. If if there are women out there looking for um, any any groups, there are lots of groups. You just got to look for them. You know, like Katie was saying, where she's trying to help people to understand, to go through these steps. So education, definitely. Vanessa, welcome. Um, what do, what do you feel? Do you think that gender diversity exists in the web free space? How, how are you feeling about you know being a woman in web free? Right, right. Well, you think that the Web3 community is, has to be the most inclusive and forward thinking industry, right? Because it being new and everyone's young and everyone's, you know, forward thinking. But, you know, actually, that's not the case, unfortunately. Maybe only like five out of 121 top crypto companies in the world has a female founder. So um, the biggest NFT marketplaces, for example, like CryptoPunks, OpenSea, Nifty, they're all run by men. So, you know, it's pretty much still um, um, a broke club uh, uh, for, for now. But, you know, um, 
I think it's it's we're getting there. I mean, like you girls are are, are very much active in the, the the community. A lot of us are actually um, stepping forward, you know, bringing in other women into the space as well. So I think, yeah, I mean, not yet today, but um, soon, hopefully, very soon. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I've got a question actually. This one's for Gabriella from Nay from the audience. How do you see uh, blockchain impacting traditional gaming studios? Uh, I've been having a lot of like meetings with uh, traditional gaming studios and blockchain studios all together. And um, it's very curious that they still think that there's a huge difference between the blockchain gaming and traditional gaming. And for me, it's it doesn't have all this difference, you know? It's the same like uh, uh, drive to have fun playing games. The, the, the difference now is that we bring ownership for the players. So you, you're not in the hands of big corporations and when you finish uh, playing your game, you don't have anything of it. Now you own everything in your game and you, you can make your own odyssey, your own journey and have fun and when you decide that you're not having fun anymore and you want to move on to another game you can either transfer assets or you can rent or you can sell so i think the the gamers they have like more control with the play to earn, play to earn games right now and yeah. the traditional game i think they're gonna catch up i think it's gonna happen it's it's a it's a better transformation for the gamers so the markets is calling for that yeah, I, I completely agree. We have a lot of kind of traditional uh, gaming studios asking, you know, what's the what's the leap? What needs to be done? How is it possible? Um, and so I, I definitely think you're, you're absolutely right. And it goes back to, to what we were saying in the previous session um, with, with Katie when we were, and, and Meredith when we were talking about the difference between Web 2 and Web 3. And, you know, I think um we, we we said that very clear as well web3 is about that ownership and it's the ownership of the asset the ownership of whatever that might be the skin the hat the jacket the pet the skill whatever it might be and that investment doesn't need to be lost um when you kind of as you say get get bored of that and i think that becomes then quite a compelling uh reason um if you're going to be investing and people do invest a lot of money on a monthly basis in games um for them to be able to retain that value so you know, I think that's a, a, a really great answer. Vanessa, one for you. Um, do you think blockchain? Yes. Can you do you think the blockchain can unite the entire global gaming community? What do you think about markets? What about uh, markets like Latin? Oh, Latin America. Oh, this is Gabriella Sturf. Actually, she's, she's a Latina. I'm from uh, Southeast Asia. I'm from Manila, actually, Philippines, but very similar in terms of. Uh, um, uh, consumer profile, which is why, um, yeah, um, Gabriella, would you like to take this one? This is your turf. <laughs> <laughs> sure, thank you. Um, actually, I've been having a lot of meetings with uh, um, communities in Latin America. In I'm from Brazil, so um, the gaming in Brazil, the, the industry is huge not just the gaming industry, but blockchain in general. Uh, Brazil is getting like, um, uh, the community there is like extremely active. We have a lot of space. We have a lot of like um, content creation. We have a lot of educational workshops. 
and they are very, very engaged and very open to the new technologies and for all the changes that, that are happening right now. Um, I've been talking with groups in Venezuela, Bolivia, Peru, and everybody's super excited to get in. I think um, the same excitement that we women have to enter in this space, the Latin Americans are, are having too, because um, it's a great opportunity. As I said before, we have endless possibilities. We have endless opportunities right now. So um, I think the countries that they can understand and observe all the transformation and all the technology that's coming um, will be the one that the, the transition is going to be more smooth and the mass adoption is going to come faster. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, right. I think as well there's a huge um, opportunity when, when there's something new, there's kind of no reason why another country can't kind of jump in and, and, and lead the way. So there's a huge opportunity there. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, Vanessa, what, what do you feel in terms of progress? We talk about um, we talk about you know women um, coming forward, starting to to to, to make uh, more more of us there. What do you, what do you see in terms of progress so far um, from women? Right. Okay. So, well, in tech in general, um, actually, women still feel that they need to work harder than men to earn their their current position, right? Um, but I'm very fortunate enough to be employed by an organization that has a culture of awarding positions of leadership based on merit. So, but I know that that's not the case worldwide. And especially in our industry, as I mentioned earlier, it's still a, it's like a broke a crypto bro uh, club until now. So um, um, fortunately, uh, I, I've been, I've been with the, this company that I am um, uh, with right now, I've been with this company for 15 years and I have never felt um, uh, discriminated being a woman and it's all really, uh, it's meritocracy uh, that, that counted. Um, in terms of, um, what was your other question? If there was a difficulty, uh, was there difficulty? Uh, well, no, it was more what progress have we seen so far, but yeah, I mean, if there are difficulties. Yeah, please, please, yes. please tell us more. Right. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I this this morning I read on LinkedIn, um, actually, I, I couldn't relate to it because I'm not a mother, but um, in LinkedIn, I saw this um, article posted uh, by Jessica Hegren. She's the founder of um, That Works For Me. It was about a careers after babies report. It's actually there in the UK. Um, they, they studied like 848 women. And the, the numbers that came out is, is really, I don't know if it's, it's, it's uh, eye-opening for, for most of us, but for example, like for the working population, it's like almost half, 40 to 7% are, um, are women in the in the workplace, but um, since eighty six percent of women typically get married before forty, um, and when they do have children, only four percent of them actually go back full time after giving birth. Four percent, and wow. you know, and women in management. Yeah, I'm reading this. This is actually a post just today by by Jessica. Um, the, the number of women in management roles drops by thirty percent after giving birth. So. Um, I don't know if that's a disadvantage, but, you know, I mean, pretty much all the odds are stacked against us when we start, you know, when we when start being mothers. Um, as I mentioned, I'm not a mother, so I, I couldn't relate to this. So um, maybe there's also a difference, I mean, in terms of being a mom and, you know, a, uh, um, a, a single, non, non, 
non-mom. <laughs> so yeah, so so that's basically the the difficulties that that I I could force uh, actually see, especially mm. for the women in the workforce. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think as well if you're saying four percent, that's that's drastically lower than I thought it was. Right? It's um, crazy. Yeah, that's that's so low. Um, however, you know, also that, that there's just another piece to the challenge. So if we already have less women coming back to work, we already have less people in Web 2. You can't yeah. really build in Web 3 if you don't know anything about Web 2 at all. So you, you kind of need yeah. to go on a progression journey. So if you've got less people there, you're going to have less in Web 3 as well. So um, to me, that kind of sounds like um that that's that's part of the way it's going to be as much as as much as we would want to change it it's never going to be 50 50. um Gab gabriella is there a, a number one way we can help uh women to climb the ladder and jump from that web two web three space i think besides um education besides um building community besides all of that that we've been talking exhaustively and we've been trying hard um, I think the number one thing that I feel it's supporting each other. I think mm -hmm. we need to support each other. It is difficult. Um, it's not just for mothers. It's for like um, any woman that try to enter in a in a in a space that's male dominant. Um, if you check the numbers, you're gonna see that just like a uh, three percent of the funding from the VCs and uh, the big firms goes to women lead projects. So we do need more representativity. We do need more leadership. And I think supporting each other, we can get farther. And I think together it's easier to go. I still feel um, as an immigrant living in the United States and uh, in a space that's gaming, that's uh, it, it's a, uh, um, it's scary how um, it's difficult to find women. Every time I go to the meetings, every time I go to gatherings, every, every time I go to the events, it's hard for me to find all the women that are in the gaming industry or they are leading uh, game studios. I hope that together we can change this reality and that we can make Web3 more accessible for young women um, and for also women that are changing their careers. Because I think uh, um, we do have also um, a great space for that. I've My background is in tech. Um, I, I have like uh, over 10 years working in marketing, um, in sales. And um, I did decided to change my career and to pursue gaming as a, like um, uh, a childhood dream. And I'm very happy with that. And I think a lot of women um, have this opportunity of starting over and starting something that they are passionate about it. De definitely, definitely. I mean, um, Vanessa, Gabriella mentioned uh, a, a, an interesting stat there in terms of funding. Um, is it more difficult for women to get funded? Right. Is, it, is, that, is, that, is that the fact? Is that how it is? Or is it just less women requesting funding? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, despite like almost 40% of businesses being owned by women in the US, she's right, just a very small amount get funding, uh, venture funding. And, and I actually, I attended this AWS meetup for uh, that, that actually included women um, in that meeting. And the speakers there actually shared that there was this, um, uh, that this uh, um, 
what do you call this, this uh, venture funding competition um, that they that they reviewed. And, you know, this is, uh, I think, called TechCrunch Disrupt New York. And they reviewed, um, they analyzed the competition and the question and answers. And it came out that the questions asked to male founders were actually quite different from, fem what, from the questions they'd ask the female founders. Like more, more male-led startups um, were asked um, questions that express their potential gains or their hopes, their achievements. Whereas women were asked of the potential losses, safety issues, and or more of responsibility. So that's quite, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're actually there to, yeah, it's like, it's, there's a different perspective when there's a woman, uh, when there's a woman actually pitching their project in front of VCs. And mind you, these VCs are mixed male and female, right? So, um, yeah, and, and the, the, the competition actually um, resulted in five, uh, men having five times more funding uh, than, than female-led ones. And yeah, so it's the line of question. I'll read some examples, right? So for, for males, entrepreneurs, the questions were like, can you tell us a bit about yourself? But for women, the questions were, how much of this are you actually doing in-house? So it's more of a defensive stance when, when you're a woman being questioned versus a guy like, you're, you're more asked to, you know, to, to be more open, express yourself, be more forward, be more, uh, you know, aggressive. So, yeah, it's quite, when I was reading that, I said, wow, there's, there's really something there. Like, there's, there's this um, bias, actually, even when still, you're still in the pitching stage. So yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, subconscious bias is 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 there, and and every single person who is a human being, not uh, chat GBT, but actual human beings, we all have subconscious bias. I think the really important thing there as a woman is to be prepared, knowing that these are the type of questions that you're going to get, um, and therefore be prepared with the with the type of answers, not feel defensive, know that this is going to be the the type of question, and you know, obviously be a little a bit a bit bit more prepared. But yeah, I mean that's really different in terms of being asked to you know tell us a little bit more or why is this not you know that's very very different right. yeah absolutely absolutely um you know as we kind of close this this section up what do you ladies think will all these issues um move forward is there enough attention on this um you know what are going to be the big differences uh this year what, what tip what one tip might you give to some women who are listening uh, to this webinar and want to get involved? Gabriella, go ahead. You first. <laughs> okay. Um, just try and keep trying. And um, keep in mind that everybody's open and um, feel free to ask for help. Sometimes we don't know that someone else needs help. So be vocal and ask for help. We're always gonna find people in a way that they're gonna be open to help you. The doors are open. Um, I think uh, people are extremely receptive right now. Everybody's going to a learn curve that is just started. So um, just start, get involved and don't be afraid. Definitely, definitely. Don't be afraid, I like that. Vanessa. Yeah. Can I just add, Gabrielle is such a beautiful person. I mean, I, when I met her just a, a few weeks ago, you know, we, we were both feeling something that, you know, we, we needed each other. And, you know, she, she actually invited me. She was the one who, who invited me to share 
in this panel and and I'm very thankful for that Gabriela I didn't get to tell you but you know I'm you're such a big, huge support for me personally and um to other women she's right I mean if if you want to explore you want to try it out don't be afraid just try it take the, the first step and know that there are other um women in web3 who are who will be there to support you yeah you're not alone I mean we're, we're all supportive with each other because we know what we're going through we know that we are um we're in a in a lopsided you know start but um we, together we can still you know help each other out and push each other forward that's it yeah no definitely well thank you thank you so much gabriella thank you so much vanessa some great views uh and, and opinions there some great stats as well um and i know we've got some good conversation coming in um from from the from the people in the audience as well and you know asking about bias and, and all those types of things as well so thank you very much to you both for joining thank us you. today and and i think you're quite right you know um ask for help find your supporters um there's definitely a lot of us out there um and don't be scared don't be afraid so i love that some great points thank you very much ladies thank you very much thank you jenny for opening space for us and thank you for um, starting this support group. So it's no. very important that uh, other women like you open space for us to talk, for us to support each other and to open the discussion. Thank you very much for having us. I agree. Always. Thank you so much also for no having problem. me. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. So now for some lovely ladies, we move on to some lovely men, <laughs> Matt Natty and Andrew Salis. Thank you so much. Great to welcome you to the stage. First of all, good welcome to you both. Um, I know um, 2023 is going to be about real utility for NFTs, not just speculation. We're looking for some big changes. I think we've got to make some big changes in terms of um, trust issues, confidence issues, um, you know, all of these different types of things. Uh, usage of NFTs, access tokens, that's starting to happen, membership, uh, tickets for, for, for music businesses, reward programs for brand users, that's just some um, utility uh, cases that personally I've seen and I'm sure you have as well. Um, I don't know who to start with, so whoever just jumps in first, what are the new tech categories of NFTs that you are most excited about? Tell me, tell me one or two, what, what about this year, Matt? <laughs> um, I have three boys and uh, I watched them play League of Legends for years and uh, and other games, right? And they'd be like, oh, dad, I got this thing. It's so cool. And I, I you know, I'm like, oh, it's, it's one of a kind. It's worth hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, because you spent $500 on your video games uh, getting to this point where you've got this thing worth a couple of hundred bucks. <laughs> How do you, that's all their pocket money for a year, you know, how do you turn that into money? And they say, well, uh, you know, and you can't because you can't, uh, you know, you can go on like one of these black web spaces and try to sell it to somebody for cash. And then you have to give them your bank account and your name and your mother's maiden name. I'm like, whoa, 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 you know? And um, so I love that, um, that blockchain gaming is legitimizing the earning potential for people. Mm. Um, to me, it answers that question. And it also changes the, the, um, the buy-in. So like free to play becoming 
play to earn, or I call it play, play and earn. So you're in a game, it's free to download it, you're playing it, you're enjoying it, you absolutely love the experience that you're having. And at the end of the day, you realize you earn 20 bucks. Hmm. Win-win, right? So, yeah. I, you know, I, that, that, my favorite thing is the utility in-game NFT. That's my favorite part of, of this, uh, this new world that's been opening up, the cross between Web2, Web3. Mm, definitely. Andrew, have you got really rich kids that spend 500 quid uh, uh, a month on video games? <laughs> I wasn't a month, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what are you excited about this year? Man, so uh, Matt really hit the nail on the head with gaming. That's probably what I, I'm most excited about. And I, I've been most I've been super excited about gaming for about 18 months now. But uh, two other things I'm excited about are, are rev share projects like revenue share and then ticketing like you brought up earlier. So like, for example, there's a, a project where I, I own an NFT and that NFT represents fractionalized ownership of a poker room. And everybody knows the house always wins at a casino <laughs> and, and NFT users are de degenerate gamblers. So they're going to play poker. And so 70% of the rake they take in is divided amongst all the holders of this NFT. It's called Soul City Poker. And every Monday they, they drop crypto to my wallet. So I, I'm passively, you know, making crypto just holding this. And I, I, ha I have a few other NFTs like that. And that's one thing I, I really doubled down on and look for, particularly during the bear market, because I was like, all right, you know, my ROI on a lot of these is, is generally about 90 days, sometimes 60 days, sometimes even 45. But if I truly believe it can hit ROI in that time, then I'm free rolling. And, and if it makes it to the bull, well, this is going to be an insane passive income play and then an insane flip if I want to take big time profits. And if not, oh, well, I, I broke even on it. So I, I really look for, for those in particular right now, and I have been for a while, but uh, I am excited about ticketing, and, and I'm glad you, you brought that up because I know a few projects doing that, and they're actually partnering with some big-time players, and, and ticketing is going to change is how we know it for all these major events. Like, it'll be a, a, there'll be a time where you go to a sporting event, and that ticket's an NFT, and then the metadata will be updated with like little video clips from it. And, and you'll have that memory of that, that person hitting a home run or scoring a goal or that concert, whatever it is. And you can pass it on down to your family or you can trade it on the open market because now it's like a collector's item because that particular concert has a unique user experience tied to it. And you could even go a step further and, and like imagine I'm, I'm like a, a Justin Timberlake or something like that. And you want to track all the concerts and stuff that I went to through my childhood. You could you could buy those NFTs and stuff like that. You even do later airdrops. So uh, I'm I'm excited about those those two things tacked on to gaming. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I think in terms of the ticketing, there's just the basic level, which you know, in terms of being able to um, eradicate fraud, authentication of tickets. I mean, that's kind of a, a a basic problem. I think that the ticketing, especially music. Uh, industry has but then you know being able to link that to memories and and again ownership of personal experiences or collections that just becomes really really exciting you can see how much that's going to be worth uh in the future especially if you were Justin Timberlake Andrew um <laughs> <For sure. laughs> 
Um, what about companies and brands? There's a lot of companies who've, who've well, there's a small amount of companies who've dipped their toe um, into this space. Some of them have been successful. Some of them have, have, have not been so much. I mean, what do, you, what do you feel about that, Matt? I mean, can you see more brands adapting? What's going to make them successful? What, what's your feelings and thoughts around that? Um, it's a, a really interesting question. Um, I think a lot of people were just surprised at first that people would like buy NFTs and like, what, a piece of art? Really? Digital art? And they're selling for how much? My goodness, we must, we got to put some out. We got to jump on that bandwagon. Mm. Um, that, that, that there was no utility attached to it was interesting to me. I'm like, wow, people are actually buying these things. This, this mm. is fascinating. You know, um, I think moving forward, people are going to go past that art for art's sake thing, which by the way, there is still space for that. And there are beautiful works of art that are worth, you know, putting out there and selling and, you know, like it's great, a great way for artists or music artists or, you know, any form of artist, digital artists to be able to create um, income for themselves. Um, but I, I kind of see, I, again, I go back to utility. I see people adopting, um, you know, you get a kid's meal at McDonald's and you get like a little cheap little plastic toy, right? And everybody has one of those toys, you know, but you know, what, you know, what if, what if people begin adopting things where there are, there's uniqueness and collectability instead of being a cheap piece of plastic that's going to wind up in the dump, hundreds of thousands of them, great, great for the ecology of the world. And, you know, what if there's things that are collector's items and, and, you know, or or there's multiple things and you kind of want to get them all. Pokemon, got to catch them all. You know, I, I, I see if people begin to really put their heads together, companies adapting these trends. I'm, you know, I'm really quite excited about it. Um, and of course, um, the creation of new cryptocurrencies that are behind things like games. I'm using games because I'm in games. Um, but um, uh, you know, uh, the the creation, people have been making cryptocurrencies for ages for free to play games. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're called gems or, or shards or gold and you buy them and they can print loads and loads of them. And, and just the company makes money out of them, guys, not you. You don't make money out of them, you know, but when, but you merge cryptocurrency and computer games, now there's something that has real world value. So yes, the company is making money and they should be making money because they're, they're making a product for you and they need to pay for it somehow. Yeah. You know, it takes hundreds of people to make great games. So they need to pay for that. But you're also making money. And then the more people who get involved and the more people who own the currency, the more, the more currency there is, the better the value of the currency and so on and so forth. I just, I, I really want to see mass adoption of this. I want it to change. Because I, I think the people should be making money alongside the companies. I think that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a there's a question from the audience: is why are NFTs um, not as popular and the value has gone down right now? Um, I don't know whether you want to take that, Matt, as you were talking about that, or you want to. <laughs> um, my my perception of that, and this is a, my my opinion on that is that um, the first NFTs had no utility mm. and people suddenly went, 
uh, hey, this tailor's made me clothes that only smart people can see. And actually, I'm standing here naked. You know, so I, you know, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people have gone, wait a second, you know, the cows and Gary Larson standing up and going, grass, this is grass we've been eating, you know, and, um, but I think it's going to go back up again. I think when Bitcoin dumped and it took a load of cryptocurrencies with it, NFTs hung on for a while and then they began the, the roller coaster down. Now, now crypto is going back up again. Finally, hopefully the winter of our discontent is over. Um, I think NFTs will start to go up again. But again, I really believe the collectability, utility, um, tying NFTs to um, products, um, like we were talking about ticketing systems or passive income systems, you know, I, th I think this is where it starts to get exciting. I really do think NFTs are going to go back up again. Andrew, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's such a loaded question, right? Because let's be real, the entire market's down, right? Bitcoin's down. What's my question? It was the audience. Yeah, uh, I, I know, yeah. I, I know, but like, I, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those questions like, yeah, everything's down and, and, and what NFTs are you invested in? Because I, I'm crushing it in NFTs. The, the Solana NFT ecosystem has outperformed every market across the globe probably the past six months. And, 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 you know, and there's a, a array of plays you could have been in. And look at any of the top probably 14 plays on, on Solana right now. And, and they they performed well. So yeah, the, the market's been down, but if you've invested in, if you're down in NFTs, you either didn't sell the top or close to the top, and then you, you haven't been playing with the right ones during this this time. It's just the reality of, of markets. They go up and they go down. And, and you should buy high or buy low and sell high. If you if you if you hodl, that's on you. It's it's not the NFT market. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What do you feel about the the brands? Matt was telling us about about brands and you know. You've got to for the for the brands to be able to be successful. You've got to have a little bit of, of mass market adoption, right? To be able to get enough people in there. So, what what do you think that's going to change? Do you think brands are going to help change that? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I I think most brands are dropping the ball with building trust in the Web3 community before launching. They think they're going to be able to mint out an NFT collection. Uh, on name alone. And, and it, the reality is that's just not happening because your users that aren't in Web3 aren't coming to Web3 right now on name alone because people are like, eh, I don't know if this is legit or not. But mm -hmm. uh, the people in Web3 will support you if you do a good job of, of building that trust in the community. I, I think the, the Tiffany's CryptoPunk Mint was an excellent example of that. And then I, I think the opposite end of the spectrum are the Toys R Us Mint and the uh, the Porsche Mint, they 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 just thought they were going to come in, and, and I will say they they both made attempts to get more active in in the community now. But I would have rather seen it earlier. But uh, to kind of piggyback how how Matt was saying that the brands are going to lead to the mass adoption, I I, I agree, and, and I'm actually bullish on on Poly for that reason because their biz dev department is doing an excellent job of 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 onboarding brands. And the mm -hmm. thing is. A lot of people think mass adoption is going to happen to where like everybody's going to be here and then the brands are just going to have no choice but to be here. But in reality, people follow brands and it's not the other way around. So yeah. a lot of these people are, are going to end up going to Polygon 
because the the band, the brands they know, like, and trust are going to be there. If I'm a, a Gucci person and Gucci's on Polygon, I'm like, man, I'll check this out. And then, you know, eventually they'll probably spill over to other blockchains and, and stuff. So I I think that a lot of these brands are are going to learn to foster a good environment just because I, I, I've been paying attention to what they're doing at Polygon in particular. I think that's going to be the chain for brands. And and they're, I think they're gonna have coaching for these brands to truly roll it out to the community. So I, I do think brands will dial it in. I, I just think the first ones had it all wrong. You know, you, you, if you're gonna, if you're a big brand and you're gonna roll out to the, the NFT space, you need to spend a full three to six months familiarizing yourself with the community before you even, you know, probably have a mint date. <laughs> and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean. Apart from discounts, though, is there any other opportunities for, for brands to get involved with a, a low-cost digital element? I mean, there's obviously the, the NFT itself. Do you think people prefer, still prefer a digital reward to a, phys- a, 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 to a physical reward or the other way around? I probably wanted to say that. I, I think that right now people as, as a whole still prefer the physical reward but I think the digital reward will make more sense once people realize how, how it can be utilized because the same way we see collabs with NFT projects, we can see collabs with major brands to where like, maybe I can cash in my Starbucks points at, at Nike's for, for something. And maybe it's like, in a, you know, a particular NFT shoe to where I have to have this NFT and it's one-time redeemable for the shoe. I, I think uh, one-time redeemable or, you know, disposable and NFTs will, will be a big thing for a lot of these brands to where we can trade the asset around, like, right, there's a big secondary market for Jordans, but not have the asset until we're ready to redeem it. And then, you know, the person who's probably finally ready to wear those shoes after they've been sold 12 times will redeem that asset. So th- that's kind of how I see it playing out. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot there in terms of partnerships and, uh, integrations and things like that that I, I definitely think and, and like you say people follow brands um and and that's around community and obviously web3 is a is, is a huge uh representation of, of community um matt you 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 know you're talking about play to earn games obviously you need to build community there tell us about why that's important you know what what are you seeing Tell us, tell us a little bit about that community in Web3 and how's that really relating to Tom? <laughs> um, you know, community, um, up until the inclusion, uh, up until the kind of creation of the inclusion of um, co-governing something, community has been pretty much just fan base, mm-hmm. you know, like the Beatles fan club, you know, kind of thing. Um with the like uh, the game we're doing, Time Raiders. Okay, so um, I'm working with Utopian Game Labs. I am the lead designer and chief economist of Time Raiders. Okay, um, and if you want to check it out, it's timeraiders.io. There's loads of great videos and stuff like that. We're in a beta at the moment. Okay, we have been building a community, but we are chatting with our community. We're including our community. If we've got A B choices and we're not sure ourselves. We're in, we've got this unique opportunity to speak to the thousands of people who are already on our Discord channels and say, hey, guys, you know, we're thinking about 
um, you know, whether we make the prehistoric levels next or whether we make Victorian, you know, steampunk Victorian levels next. What do you guys want? You guys are going to be the ones playing the game. What do you want? And we get to speak with them and interact with them. And, and then further down the line, you know, this is just about making the game at the moment, but further down the line, there's going to be other decisions about the economics of our currency, which is we called expendium because you expend it in the game, right? So, you know, we're going to have questions about expendium and we, we don't know everything, you know? <laughs> we can't see the future. We're not in touch with the people who are playing the game unless we build a community and we speak with them directly. We poll them, we invite them in chats, we have Zoom calls and we invite them to come on board, you know, that kind of stuff. And we ask them, what do you want? What do you think? You know, we can't implement every single idea, but guys throw out a bunch of ideas and then we'll kind of all vote on them and we'll choose the top three and, and we'll put those into play next in our development roadmap. So I think community is really important. Building community is really important. And I think that when somebody feels a vested interest in something, it builds a loyalty and a longevity of their connection to that. So the issue with brands, McDonald's, Nike, what Air Jordan, whatever else, like there, there's a there's a mistrust because we think, oh, they're just out to make money off of us. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. if you have a vested interest, is why I like decentralized finance in general. It's like, well, the banks are making all the money, you know, but but as opposed to, hey, I'm in this, I've got a vested interest in this coin in this cryptocurrency and I have a vote, I have a say, you know? So it's like, it's the financial version of stocks or, or a game, it's the, you know, it, it's like you have shares in the game to some extent. So yeah, I think community is really vital and, uh, you know, engaging the community almost like a big giant family or a whole bunch of shareholders, you know, I think, I think it's really vital towards the longevity of anything that you're creating within this space. Definitely, definitely. Andrew, you're you're obviously you have coffee and crypto, uh, for example, your community, you can see many big creators and audiences experimenting, um, like Matt's talking about they're going to be doing, um, obviously with their gaming community. Um, what what tip would you give to other creators to, to create communities? Man, so I, I think it's gotta be organic. You, you can't come in here expecting to rush things or use a bunch of paid ads to, to pull, a, pull a bunch of people in. You just have to, to go out there and interact with people, have unique interactions. And, and then also you ha have a unique value offer for, for your particular community, right? Like everybody out here is trying to be like, or not anymore, but for the longest time, everybody is like, oh, we're a community-based project, this and that. And it's like, cool, well, why do I want to be in your community? Like if, if I wanted to join like an elite top tier community, I'll just go buy a, a board Ape or a D-God or, or, you know, something along those, a blue chip NFT. If, if I want access to alpha, I'll, I'll go to another community. And then like uh, with coffee and crypto, we've always made our, our standpoint, you know, we're 100% education, we're, we're about making sure our, our community makes money consistently. And if you want adult conversations, let's be real, a lot of, a lot of crypto is, is, is younger kids and the, this, you know, the, the chats like this are more childish. And, and just like Jerry Springer arguing back and forth and stuff. But you know, we, we just carved out a niche for ourselves. Hey, we, we have adult 
you know, educational conversation nonstop. We're just looking to, to better ourselves and, and looking for money plays. And like, that's our community. And if you vibe with that, cool, we're here. We do it every day. We do live trading in our Discord about four hours a day. And people, you know, that are part of our, our alpha community can, can follow along. And, and, and like, that's our value point. And then there, there's this other communities to where it's just a bunch of people that are, are hyped up about Web3 together. And, and that's cool. But I, I think unless you've already built your niche there, that's, that's not enough anymore. You know, you, you can still build a niche as an individual creator, I think, as an artist. And, and I think that starts just by going out there, creating art like crazy, doing collabs with other NFT projects and, and getting your art out there and, and building a brand. I think there's an artist on Solana named DJN Poet that he, he, he does all his art on a typewriter and then, you know, uploads as an NFT. And he did an excellent job where I think it's the blueprint of how artists should build their community is just go out there, put out art like crazy. His art was worthless for a long time. And then he just did collab after collab after collab after collab, you know, got involved in stuff. And, and then now his art, you know, he's, he's a blue chip artist on Solana. So I think there's there's a few routes to go about it. But again, it's the grind. You show up and you, you do it and, you know, let it develop over time. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Definitely. I, I think you're right as well. You know, you can't just chuck a few paid ads and go, right, well, that's that's got to be the answer. Um, <laughs> okay, I can see that kind of falling flat on its face. Matt, how are, how are you going to uh, market market the game? I mean, obviously, you need <laughs> the community, you're building the community. Tell us about your marketing plans, about revealing the secret sauce. <laughs> oh, the secret sauce. Well, <laughs> you know, um, the community is is really important key. Um you know, content drives it. So, you know, we've got some very talented video creators behind the scenes on Time Raiders who do all sorts of fun things. Um, uh, you know, we have to provide them with kind of the the basic materials, which we just take out of the game. You know, we, uh, we, we're we working um, very high res so that we can make marketing content and then we take it down into the game to lower resolution within the game, according to, you know, its distance from the camera. Um, but then our guys, they do memes, they do, they, you know, they, they, we make humorous stuff where we're, we're putting little, little clips all over the place, TikTok, Instagram, everywhere we can. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very much trying to create viral using social media. Social media is really important. Um, you know, rather than necessarily trying to do the traditional methodology of print ads and, and, um, and um, um, click, I was going to say clickbait, that's the wrong word. Um, is, um, probably not a good route to, to go. <laughs> thank you very much. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're using everything at our disposal to get people involved. But most importantly, uh, we're talking to our guys who are already early adopters and we're, you know, we're encouraging them you know, one of the things that we are planning on doing is that, you know, if you bring in some friends, you know, you'll get some upgrades or you'll get some NFTs. Our game is about the game. It's about fun. The crypto is a, a second to the game, although it was the means of funding it to this point, you know, and it will continue to be a means of funding it into the future because we, we want our game to have, you know, years and years of longevity. It's a serial release game. Time Raiders, we can go anywhere in the world, any timeline, alternate timelines, you know, all that. So we've got a lot of content, potentially. We haven't limited ourselves at all. Um, creating word of mouth is really important. And in order to create word of mouth, again, back to community, 
We talk to our guys. We include them as much as we can. We inform them as much as we can. And we incentivize them. And then the next guys who come in also get incentivized. Nobody gets a, this this day only, you know, we, you know, we create longer term incentives so that word of mouth can happen. But the biggest thing is because it's play to earn, it means that we can get the word out that, you know, it, once you kind of get into the game and, and, and do all the things that you kind of have to do to get your characters a bit stronger and, you know, you can earn 10 to 20 bucks a day. That's, you know, that's a good incentive for, you know, um, you know, there are some guys who, uh, all all along the Far East, Philippines, across Africa, Latin America, who choose to stay home and play play to earn games rather than go out and you know and peddle their wares. You know, they sometimes they can make more money playing a play to earn game than than they can um, getting a regular. You know. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. That then kind of opens up a a bit of the negative side i think where you know there's there's some some negative or problems uh, around play to earn games i don't know whether matt or andrew um you have anything to, to mention there about you know um perhaps countries where people don't earn so much and then you know perhaps this is a, a an opportunity for perhaps exploitation of people i don't know whether you guys have come across that as a as a uh negative point to play to earn games exploitation yeah um some games okay one thing we're doing differently we didn't like the barrier to entry that we were seeing in in some of the existing play to earn games we didn't like that somebody who was you know blessed to make 10 bucks a day and it would change their lives forever had to find a hundred to start making the 10 bucks a day. Now, you know, if you're in a business, yes, you invest in your business and you make an investment because you're making, you know, you want to grow, you want to grow your business. And, and sometimes you need a starting capital, but um, we didn't like that the barrier to entry could prevent somebody from making the 10 bucks a day. So we, we've kind of created this different model. We are, you know, I came out of free to play into play to earn. So, you know, we created this, look, you can come in for free and start to earn. You're going to earn a bit less, but we've given you the ability to earn what you need to do what you have to do to create multiplier, to, to quickly get up to earning the full potential that the game is offered. So I, I, we, we don't like the, the idea of the exploitation. Um, I think one of the big, the biggest uh, web two complaints about web three is uh, you just have to make money off of us somehow. You know, that is a very web two thing because that is what that is the business. It's the entertainment business models about making money. So um, we like the web three. We like what we're doing at the moment because, you know, the people who are coming on board and playing our game, yet yeah, you are funding the game development, but you know, we're, we're not making a profit over you. We're giving you the ability to earn and in turn you earning making the, the currency go up means we've got more money to make more game. So it's this great win-win. I love this positive financial spiral that we that gets created as a result of it. I hope I, I, hope I answered the question. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Andrew, do you see um, more AAA studios adding these capabilities to their games 
uh, moving forward? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's inevitable. You, you know, Amazon, they're, they're releasing an NFT gaming marketplace. They're, they're going to release a Roblox style game. And, and I think that's just going to be like the, the wow moment that we, we see play to earn game really start running. And that's coming like February, March. So I, I, I think most, 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 uh, Web three, or I'm sorry, Web two gaming industry companies are are going to end up making the migration. Just it, it's necessary, right? And um, to even kind of touch on, on on the question about the exploitation, you know, I I thought NFTs were stupid until I found gaming NFTs. And, and the first mm -hmm. gaming NFT I, I invested in was a NFT called Crypto Blades, and and then that got me familiar with how much of an impact that these, these gaming NFTs could have with people in underdeveloped countries. Cause there, there were people that at that point in time that they were earning like 30 bucks a day playing crypto blades, but they were used to making like 30 bucks a week in, in their mm. country. So like it, it was life changing for, for them. Yeah. And, and mm. that's what really attracted me to it. And then after crypto blades went under, you know, we did 180 X in, 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 in six weeks. So after that, I'm like, yeah, NFT is pretty cool. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> but th th then we started bouncing, you know, around other games and we knew they weren't sustainable, but I, I had a stable of people at this time when BNB play to earn was popping and, and they would play my games for me. Cause you know, I, I was busy with other stuff and, you know, we'd split the profit 60, 40 their way. I, I tip them extra 20 bucks here and there. And they were so grateful because again, it, it was just life changing to them. And they, they didn't have the startup capital and I didn't have the time to play. So I, I felt like it, it was, a, we all felt like it was a mutually beneficial relationship. And like there were, you know, kids going, putting themselves through college, you know, do, playing these games with us and stuff. So that made me truly passionate about gaming. And, you know, my project, we're, we're building out a web three version Monopoly and, and that went into our design for it to be a, a low barrier entry to play, entry to play and, and just to give somebody the opportunity to make anywhere from 10 to 30 bucks a day. And yeah, maybe if you get in early and, and position yourself well, you might be able to make a couple hundred bucks a day. But it it, it wasn't about making like a, a big impact on changing your life in the United States. It was about, yeah, if, if you live in another country, this could be totally life changing. And then if you, you live someplace like the United States, still an extra 10 to 30 bucks a day is, is, is pretty cool. You know, that that's your lunch or, you know, it's your, your fun budget for your family or, or whatever it is. So like that, that's how we designed our game. And, and that's why we were passionate about it and, and trying to give a chance for everybody to get in and, and play, you know, play the game of, of, of building and web three with us. Yeah, it's good. So as, as, as we come to a close, I've got a, I've got a quick question, which is a yes or a no answer. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is 2023 the year for studios and startups to consider play to earn um, and NFT projects? Is this the year for it? Matt, yes or no? Yes, yes. We got in this space a year ago because we want to be early adopters. So yes, absolutely. I think everybody needs to seriously consider it. Andrew, yes or no? Yes, the play to earn pump starts next month. <laughs> Lovely, very positive, very positive end. Uh, thank you, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Andrew. Um, and with that, we conclude our very special webinar today on Web3 in 2023, the revolution of NFTs and play to earn games. And as we just heard, I think there's a very positive outlook.
A big thank you to all our panelists and to those who took the time to join us today. See you very soon. Don't forget the webinar will be available on YouTube or the podcast channel, Spotify as well. Check it out. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Vanessa, Gabriella, Meredith and Katie. Thank you very much to all of you. Don't forget to check out our new uh, DGEN NFT collection, which is now available to mint at donkeybonk.com. You can find the website in the comments section. Check it out. 9,966 donks ready to be minted. Check it out. What are you waiting for? Mint a donk. Thanks, everyone, for your attention. Have a brilliant day. And thanks a lot. And see you next time.